You're listening to The One Relationship, where we believe a strong marriage is the foundation for successful families, communities, and cultures. I'm Kate. And I'm Tanner. We're your hosts, and we've each had our share of unhealthy relationships. When we met, we committed to not repeat the mistakes of our past, so we set out to learn everything we could about creating a rock-solid marriage. Join us every week as we bring you real talk from our experiences, other married couples, and relationship professionals we trust. To start strengthening your marriage now, head over to theonerelationship.com and get access to our free marriage manifesto today. Uh, Welcome to The One Relationship. We're Kate and Tanner Wendell, and today we're excited to have with us our guest, Jody Chafee. Um, Jody is the founder of the Modern Heritage Academy. She empowers families to live more intentionally, cultivate their vision and values, and prepare their children to grow into their life's purpose and mission. You can find more and listen to Jody uh, every week on the Family Culture Movement. Cool. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. We've talked to so many people where the feedback is about their, their struggle with communication. And, and that was something that really had to be very, very strong for the two of us. One, because we had just come from uh, very difficult relationships with, with communicating with those partners and knowing that we wanted it different for our future. Like you talk about what, what is going to be that culture and, and, and a change for the future of our family. And we made that decision uh, separately. And then of course, collectively, then we had a long distance relationship. So you really had to be on point with communicating and figuring that out. And based on, you know, just what you're talking about with, with starting new with culture being able to communicate that I think is going to be a challenge for people. And you talk about systems and strategies for the family. So it's sort of all of that combined. How do you help people come together to be like those couples to, to have that level of communication to make it work? Because I do feel like people tend to get defensive or mm-hmm. no, it's got to mm-hmm. be this way or, 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 you know, they're somewhat stubborn in, in mm-hmm. their viewpoint of like, nope, it's this, you know, where's that compromise to be able to have the communication to be like, this is how we're going to move forward. That's a really great question. You know, when I talk about family culture, I talk about it, this analogy of, of a road trip, right? So the two of you decided to get in this vehicle and you're going to go to go on this trip. Right. And already that's like anxiety ridden. <laughs> go across the country. Okay. Well, first of all, coming together to decide together, what is this vehicle that we're in together? What do we, what do we, what does it look like? What do we want to be known for? It's almost like your family brand. Right. And, and so it's like you, if communication is an important part of that construct of what you want to create and you want to shape, then that's something that you want to be known for as you want to be good communicators. Right. Well, on this family trip, after you've defined what you look like and what, who you are as a family, what you identify as, you go through and you define for to get together what your navigation strategies are. So what is your mission? That means what is your destination? What do you want to, where do you want to be when you arrive and you believe you've arrived, right? 20, 30 years in the future. That's when you pick a destination. Because so many times, a lot of us, you know, it's like, well, I just want to get through this life where I, you know, we, we, we're here, we're committed together. And then we just get out on this road and we stick with the main highway, right? We're just going to stick with the mainstream culture and hope that it leads us in the right direction. No, but when you're intentional about your family culture, then you decide, no, okay, we want to figure out where we want to go 
And then we're going to bust out our GPS and figure out how we're going to get there. And so that's your vision. How do you visualize this success for your family? And then you also need to have a compass to help you and your family define what is your true north. So those are your family values. What are your core family values? If communication is your core value, then you're going to define your family policies off of that core value. And those policies with this analogy are like the road signs and the street lights and the things that define how do we, how do we keep the rules or how do we keep this structure of what our family, you know, keeping our family safe, right? And so, you know, you can say like, okay, if family communication is one of our core values, then we have a policy of being open-minded, of recognizing when we get into a fight or flight stage or a, or what is it? It's a silence or violence, right? <laughs> there's, there's that phase of, of communication where it's like, okay, let's pause and recognize when we get into silence or violence and acknowledge each other, right? So that becomes your guidelines of how you handle these breakdowns in your communication. Then and this, I'm going to continue with this analogy, right? So you go on this and you continue and you got to figure out, okay, now that we've figured out who we are as a, and, and what our vehicle looks like, what we represent, what we stand for, what we're known for, and we've figured out how we're going to navigate, where we're going, how we're going to get there, what our compass, you know, our compass is pointing to and the road, road signs and street lights along the way. Now we need to figure out how do we maintain this vehicle so that we don't break down. And if we do break down, how do we get back on tr onto course, you know? Right. And so that's where establishing and setting up times when you have family meetings. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like knowing when you want to sit down and talk about certain things that have triggered you or talking about and getting buy-in behind these navigation strategies of what your mission, vision, and, and, and values look like and coming together to discuss those policies. Right. So family meetings, it's so crucial. And then you need to define, all right, who is, who is driving this thing? <laughs> so somebody in your family, hopefully all of you, are culture leaders in your family. But it takes a mom or a dad, somebody who is at the, at the steering wheel, right, driving this thing and being a culture leader and leading out to decide this is what we want our culture to look like. And ideally, it's everybody stepping up, right, and saying, okay, we talked about this is what we want our family culture to look like. So I'm going to be proactive. I'm not going to be complacent that, oh, I don't want to, I don't care or, or whatever. I'm going to step up and, and, and participate as a culture leader in, in this road trip, family road trip, right? I mean, because a lot of times it can be our our foggy brain, or it could be our crabby teen or something. They, sometimes they step into that role and you go, wait a minute. No, no, no. I need to step into that role. I need to get behind the wheel driving this thing and be a culture leader. So if you recognize breakdowns in your, in your communication, then take a breath and say, you know what? I want to be a culture leader and I want to help my family be culture leaders in the goals and the values in the mission that we had to, that we've discussed about where, how we're going to get to this destination of being a thriving family, right? You, you still with me on, I'm <laughs> on totally. this analogy? I feel, like I, have a, I feel like I'm getting a follow-up question over here, but you can go. Because I've just, I'm still. There's a couple up. other. There's a couple other things that you need to maintain that vehicle. You right. need fuel, and that fuel is trust. And if you have breakdowns in your communication, then it's like siphoning fuel out of your out of your vehicle, and you're not going to get anywhere. Reestablishing trust is being able to uh, come from a place of non-judgment, 
being able to recognize and acknowledge each other for their for your strengths you know there's a there's a lot of components of establishing and maintaining trust in your relationship and that's like adding fuel to your vehicle hmm. and then the final component that i teach about is whenever there's a roadblock or a detour or you're just some major breakdown you need to have the skills in order to constructively cope with that breakdown so much of our family culture is defined by that it's like an undercurrent always flowing through our family culture is how we cope with our stressors hmm. it's like it always comes back to that if you react to stress by getting angry by getting defensive by shutting down by getting into that silence or violent state then that's going to define that becomes like that default that becomes like that norm and then oh that's just what we do that that, that becomes the phrase that's what we do that's just what we do or if you're stressing out and you cope by hiding away and watching netflix all night <laughs> that's like you know then you know that oh where where's where's my wife oh oh she's stressed out oh she's probably watching netflix you know it becomes that norm so being able to to have the skills to cope constructively is what's going to help you to get back on the road rather than pulling off to the side and saying i'm done get out slam the door i'm walking <laughs> back i'm out of here right so those are the different components that allow you to maintain this vehicle so you can keep going you know you you need to, to have strategic times when it's time to repair that vehicle strategic times when you need to have some, maybe some downtime or you need to go on vacation and take a break you know those are all things that are going to help you to have constructive coping skills to to keep going in spite of the stress and the 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 storms of of having a family <laughs> family life <laughs> do you um have any suggestions for the couple where one really wants to nurture this culture and make that change and there's another the other partner is still sort of sitting back and like ah like you say just here's the norm this is what i do and yeah. not fully ready to change maybe will but just isn't quite there yet how how do you advise the one person who who wants to start making that change to help the other one come along well it's it comes back to that that trust component um you know you love that person you know that you came joined this relationship because you care and you love each other and so just be your own culture leader and take care of yourself and if, and eventually they may see you leading out and modeling what you want to accomplish and what you want to establish for your family culture but mostly you just do it yourself and then have trust and again trust coming comes from not judgment right a lot of times i think when we get frustrated because somebody is not getting it is it's because we are judging and a lot of those judgments again stem back to some constructs, some narrative that we brought into the relationship with us that we feel like we have to change. Okay. And that's, that's not a bad thing, except when it translates into judgment and a barrier between your relationship and, and then your relationship breakdowns, breaks, breaks down. Right. So you, sometimes when you want to make those changes, and you're looking at your, at your spouse, you're looking at somebody in your family going, why can't they get with the program? Well, that's you. That's still you being triggered, right? And so you working on yourself and going, I'm the one that's being triggered. Okay, 
where is my breakdown? Where am I judging them? Where is that narrative? Where did that come from in my upbringing that makes me feel like I have to judge them or I have to push them? And so you just work on yourself and, and just love them. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So true. I mean, we've, we've encountered that many times with where it, we recognize it's on us that of what we need to <laughs> it's, work it's on. It's a hard pill to swallow, but <laughs> it's a hard pill to swallow. And most people really don't want to admit that. And and it's it's a good reality. It's a good reality check for people to be aware of. Like, hey, yeah, keep working on yourself because the rest will follow. And as we talk about family, uh, it's not necessarily just the husband and wife, but you know, kids are involved. So what would you say are some of the common mistakes that parents make with kids and raising kids and, and how to overcome that. How much time do we have? No, I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know it is a very um, broad question. As but. much as you need. <laughs> the water's just starting to flow out of the right. well. We're, we're drinking over here. Well, um, you know, a lot of the principles that I teach really stem from a conscious parenting approach that if y- these children we are only mere stewards of them. They are their own people. And, and if we come from this approach of, of compulsory development, and I want them to be at this certain place at this certain time and learning these certain things and getting these certain grades in school and things like that, then we're taking away their agency. We're taking away their ability to become themselves and to, and to become self-aware and to listen to their own internal narrative and then and gain an internal locus of control, right? Like if they, if we are constantly in their heads telling them what to do, then they're gonna lose themselves. They're, forget, they're gonna forget themselves. And then we as parents, we get triggered going, what, what is wrong with them? Why, why can't they just do and be what I want them to be? Then again, gotta swallow that pill and go, that's on me. I'm the one that's being triggered because I have a narrative about the way that children should act or the way that my children should act and the way that they should be. And we're not allowing them, their agency to come into themselves and discover themselves. So I see that happening all the time with, you know, it's like they call it, there's a term for it now, right? Snowplow parenting or bulldozer parenting. And Uh I mean, it used to be, it used to be just helicopter parenting where, you know, okay, you know that one. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, the helicopter and we're now down just now we're just snow plowing. We're just like bulldozing it out of the way, you know? And so, and so it's like, because we, we, tell ourselves this narrative, well, if my kid is successful or, or, or if my kid experiences pain and suffering, then, then I'm a bad parent, you know, but actually those are the things that are going to help them to, to learn. I mean, you can't not, you cannot learn without obstacles and without opposition. And when parents come in and try to bull, bulldoze snowplow, it's going to say bull plow. I don't know. <laughs> snowblow, bull, that. <laughs> I can't even say it anymore now. If they're going to snowplow that, their obstacles, then, I mean, how long are you going to have to keep doing that? That's why, you know, I, you hear stories of parents calling their children's boss and complaining to the boss. It's like, no, at some point, the child is going to have to, figure this stuff out. And so you cannot always prepare the road for your kids, but you have to be willing to prepare your kid for the road. And so just be patient again, infuse trust into that relationship because it's again, non-judgment, 
patience, accept, I mean, all these things that, and, and open communication. Like if your kid comes to you and they tell, they confess something to you, it's because they trust you. Don't blow that trust by then exploding with anger. So, you know, earlier I talked about the core values. There's still like this hierarchy of values, right? There's, there's like, if communication is your, is one of your core values, right? That is probably, it sounds like the like top core, core value, right? Even if your child, your spouse, somebody comes to you and they need to confess something that if you react out of anger and you, and you, um, lose that trust, then communication will suffer. So you're going, you're basically sacrificing that core value for something else. Even if, if you feel like another core value is, is justice or another core value is consequences, right? For actions, you can do it out of love and trust without sacrificing the core value of, of keeping open communication, right? And so you need to get clear on what those core values are so that when your kid comes to you and says, I totally cheated on a test or even something more intimate, right? That they come and tell you this world is so, so many obstacles for our kids, right? And we have to be willing to trust them that whatever obstacles they're going through, whatever opposition, that they can trust you to help them coach them and mentor them through it, not solve it for them. Because when you solve it for them, you're actually communicating again that you don't trust them, that you don't trust their capacity to endure that struggle and to learn and grow from it. But when you say, you know what, thank you for coming to tell me that. What do you think you should do? What? <laughs> you know? And I mean, this one time when I was in high school, I would go hang out with my friends and I always felt like I needed to report back to my parents. You know, like I was a good kid, right? I was like, I got, okay, mom and dad, I'm going to go hang out with my friends, right? And this one time I went and I went up to my friend, my mom, and I was like, hey, mom, is it okay if I go hang out with my friends? And she goes, it's your life. And for some reason that like, like my mind just exploded. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but number one, it communicated to me that she trusted me. And number two, it communicated to me that whatever consequences happen, like whatever I did, the consequences were on me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so she told me, she showed me that I can not only trust her, but that she could trust me. Right. And so that is, it's so empowering. And I mean, ultimately the goal is we want our kids to grow up, right? <laughs> and yeah. be independent. And we can't, they're not going to do that if they can't trust themselves and they can't trust you to just coach them through instead of telling them what to do. If you tell them what to do, they're going to, they're going to, they won't have trust in themselves. Right. And don't you think, I just want to jump yeah. in real quick that, I mean, kind of what was coming to me is that I, I feel like, again, it all comes back to, you know, it's on you, right? Your perception, my view, and I'm just curious to get your take is like that helicopter parent or the bulldozer and like have to be in it and have to solve the problem. I mean, ultimately, I feel like that stems from some sort of insecurity or lack or something within the parent anyway, right? Like we're trying to make yeah. it for our own shortcomings through our kids. Is that, you know, Absolutely. you view it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because when we see our child doing something or dealing with something, we get triggered because of something maybe we experienced or some narrative that's going that, that we've adopted that's become our norm. And we go, okay, stop. Let me see what they're going to do about this. Okay. Or before you jump in and see them because they're struggling on a math problem or something, wait, let them struggle with it. You know, and clearly the math problem, right? Small, small potatoes, but 
it's it's a beginning and sometimes that's where it starts is we jump in because of school problems or we jump in when they're they're little and they're they're fighting over who's going to share a toy you know these kinds of things it's like well let me see how they handle it let me just take a breath become present to what's happening because the present happening is i'm starting to boil up inside and but the reality is they aren't necessarily boiling up inside. They're just going, oh, this is just kid stuff, you know? <laughs> and so just let them deal with it and deal with your own trigger and that whatever is boiling up in, inside of you before you dump it all over them. Yeah, and I think we're seeing, uh, or at least my experience, uh, seeing that sort of uh, play out. I know there's a lot of stuff with, you know, school and the fall and what's it going to look like and all of that stuff. And, you know, I was just talking to, to my 10 year old daughter and her friend was over the other day and like, they're just excited. They're just like, yeah, we're, we're fine. We just want to go back to school, like mask, no mask, like whatever. Like they're just so focused on like getting back to that environment and like all the details, you know, and I know as parents, like we, we do need to, you know, be concerned over other things that they don't quite understand. But I'm just like, it's been a really interesting observation of like how much stuff adults are focused on versus like the kids are sort of like, uh, okay, you know, it is what it is, right? Like they yeah. don't have as much context and resistance to to change and doing things differently. So it's- Well, they will pick up on whatever anxiety their parents are feeling though, yeah. you know? And and so if if you are stressing out, you're super anxious and you don't communicate anything with them, then they start to get anxious without understanding why. Mm-hmm. And that turns into um, disordered behavior right? Like if kids are stressed and they get anxious and they don't have a chance to have context or to be able to digest that anxiety, why it's happening, then that turns into disordered behavior. And so, you know, your kids may, may not necessarily be stressing out about it. And maybe you think that they should a little, like <laughs> maybe you should care a little bit about whether or not you wear a mask, but at the same time, they will pick up if you sit down and you talk to them about your values, whether or not you value that the mask is important, you can sit down and discuss with them, hey, this is what's happening right now. And I want you to know that we're approaching this with intention, not just out of reaction or response to what is the the manic behavior going on in our society right now. You know, if you can sit down and communicate with that them with that with them about it, then um, you are setting an intention for your family. I mean, that's really what family culture and being intentional about this road trip journey that you're on is not just going, well, we're just on the main strip, mainstream highway. We'll just go with the flow. You know, being intention, intentional is, is, well, I agree with this aspect of the mainstream culture and I'm going to follow it intentionally. That's okay. Or you say, you know what? I don't like how the mainstream culture is doing this. Let's uh, find our, our own path. You know, let's get off this highway and, and, and route, create a new route towards the destination that we want to achieve. So if, if there's chaos and there's confusion, that family meeting, communication, talking, again, this is, this is how you establish that intention and establish a way to maintain your family culture so that the chaos that's going on around you is isn't going to infiltrate your family culture you can you can design it with intention whether or not you agree with what's happening in the in the dominant culture mm-hmm. you can say well let's set an intention uh, it, it, yeah 
So you, well, you and I have goals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's so it's so important to 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 put a a note on that and really just focus on being very intentional with how you want your family dynamic to be, what you're standing for, and just talking about this with children. I, I'm so glad you brought up the anxiety of or or the worry that a parent has and how that trickles down to a child. And then they don't, and they don't even understand why, right? There, I mean, that is so. With depression and anxiety so heightened in our culture right now, they don't even realize how that is affecting their children, and that this this does need to get addressed. Mm-hmm. Be able to work through as a as an adult and a parent to to not f- fuel that for the next generation. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, and just, yeah, just talking about bulldozing your kids, man. I'm like, it's, it's stressful enough and, and, and hard enough to raise kids to then just be like on top of them even further. Uh, that just micromanaging them. I mean, like I'm just getting stressed out listening to it. I can't, we just, we, we operate a little bit differently and a little counter to the culture in that regards, uh, with our children. But at the end of the day, it is work. It's work. We have, we have to put in the time to have a loving, healthy marriage, to have a loving, healthy household with kids and the extended family that may come in or the friends that may come into the, to the house. What, what would you say uh, for couples to make marriage fun? Like in the midst of all of the crazy, like how, how can they just have some fun with it too and enjoy it? I mean, again, set an intention for your relationship that that's what you want. If, and then define for yourself, what exactly does fun look like? You know, for us, it's, it's changed because our fun was going out to restaurants and going out to theme parks and amusement parks and zoos and, and things like that with our kids. And, but as a couple, like we would love to go out to eat. We'd love to go out to the movies. We love to, you know, those kinds of kinds of things. And so it's like, well, what is that going to look like for you as a couple? What does that mean to have fun? Is it, is it, you know, doing a funny board game or downloading these silly date cards on Pinterest or, you know, what is it about your, your relationship that would make it fun? And, and, and then set an intention around it. You know, I, I mean, sort of, that sounds like it takes the spontaneity out of it, but, but at the same time, a lot of times if you don't set an intention, it's not going to happen, right? Yeah. You have to be deliberate. And, and even if it's like, okay, I know this isn't like spontaneous unless it's drawing a random card out of the, the mm. kinky card deck or something like that. And you want to know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Like that's what right. could be spontaneous, but it's like, that's okay. Like it, you need to set an intention and well, you can also, you can also schedule out the time, but not necessarily the content, you know, set it, set an intention that every Friday night, every Saturday night, that's date night, and then change it up every time that you want to do something together. And, and so that can also be what would maintain your, the, the surprise element. If that, if that's even what's fun for you, maybe fun for you is doing something that's planned and planning out a fun uh, date night that, that you plan every detail of it. That could be what's fun for you. Just make sure you have that and set that intention and communicate it together. Yeah, right? I think that's I think that's so good. I mean, we've had to learn, you know, with with having uh, our house multiplying fairly rapidly, <laughs> the importance of that. <laughs> and and I think you know, Kate's a little bit more of a planner. I'm a little bit more of the spontaneous one. Um, but the reality is that if 
you, like you're saying, like if you don't plan to do something, right? It, some yeah. people are like, I want to plan it down to the detail and I want to go to my favorite restaurant and we're going to have this. And it's like, cool. Like if that's what you actually enjoy, great. For us, it's like, I, I don't know. Can we just get two hours on the calendar and like, we'll figure out, you know, yeah. maybe the day before, maybe the day of. Sometimes it's like, An we're leaving before. the house just because the babysitter's here. And it's like, I don't know what cool. we're doing, but we're getting out of the house right. because we paid somebody to be at our house. So nice. we you know, and, and well, I love what you brought up too, about saying how the two of you are different. I think also recognizing, you know, each other's love language, whatever that is. Uh -huh. So it's like, you know, if you're planning the date, Tanner, and she likes to be all planned out then do that because that's something she likes. And then Kate, if he loves spontaneity, then you would do that, right? To do something spontaneous. Because, you know, learning each other's love language is another part of, of understanding how to cultivate that trust, how to cultivate what your values are, is, is, is knowing your, 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 your personalities. There's all these different ways to like learn about your personalities and energy profiling and your love language, all these different things. I love studying those kinds of stuff. And so, you know, getting a feel of what they're going to really enjoy and then honoring that, right? Yeah. And, and that's good because many people we've talked to, like, oh, I do all these things for my wife and da, 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 and she doesn't like it. And, da, da. and it's like, I mean, even my last relationship before I met Tanner, he did all these things for me that wasn't the, the thing that I needed the most to feel like my love tank was full. And sure, I knew that there was love there or, you know, that there, and, and same for the people we talked to, like there's good intention and there's love behind it, but it's not the exact love language. And yeah, the five love languages is, is such a great reference, uh, a book for, for anyone to just pick up and learn that about yourself as well as to be able to do that with your partner. Yeah. It's yeah, so the, powerful. The summary of this whole thing that yeah. just came to me was like, work, spend time working on yourself and then spend time like learning your partner, right? Mm -hmm. And I think yep, so yep. often, again, we kind of get it backwards and it's like, we know all of our partner's problems and what they should work on <laughs> and we know all the things that we enjoy and it's this constant judgment, like you said, it's yeah. this constant judgment of like, well, you're not doing this and I'm not getting that. And it just like, that was kind of the download I got of like, flip that around, like work on filling, you know, your own holes and gaps and, and yourself, and then work on figuring out like how you actually um, can bring joy to, to your spouse. So, yeah. um, you know, the, to, to wrap up here, the, the final thing, just give us like, what's the most valuable thing that you've learned about relationships uh, through all the work and, and studying that you've done and with all the people that you've worked with? You know, it's, it really comes back to being able to recognize what those triggers are and when, and working on yourself, like so many times in my relationship with my husband, we love each other. We have a great relationship, but we've had a rocky time just because life happened for us. Like it's just, it just didn't, our plans for what looked like success to us didn't pan out. Right. And there could have been times throughout a relationship where I could have said, you know, you did this to us or, you know, something like that. Or, you know, like this is not at all how I pictured my life being or things like that. But ultimately that's not what for me, the outcome is still in your hands. Right. And I, I have chosen over this time with, with my husband 
to support him and love him and to trust the what we're trying to build in the long run that that's that's the thing like these these navigation strategies right to have a mission to have a vision whenever the first roadblocks show up and you you got to learn how to cope with those things and most of the time it's just working on yourself figure out what is a, co a constructive coping strategy for me that's going to help us get back on the road and supporting because I think there were there have been so many times in our relationship when I knew that we were breaking down just because he was beating himself up and mm -hmm. so it's like if I had also added to that how much more quickly we could have we, we would have just been devastated right mm -hmm so much of cultivating your, your relationship, your culture is going to come back to how are you treating yourself? How are you loving yourself? And what are you doing to contribute to the solution to, to what you want to accomplish as a family? And again, it's, it's a, one of those hard pills to swallow to sure. say, what am I doing to contribute to the, either the negative outcome or the positive outcome and work on, work on that yourself. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of like been the overarching theme of this conversation, but it really does come back to that. Yeah. And becoming conscious of yourself, becoming so so self-aware that um you have to face your demons and that's scary and it's hard and it's it's so not cool, but facing your own demons will help you to face whatever other demons come along the way. Right. I, I think that's so great. And that's a, that's a perfect way to end. Actually, when we came up with uh, the concept and the name of the one relationship, uh, the thought was around the, this concept that I had heard some time ago that we really only have one relationship and it's the relationship with ourselves. And then we project that out on everything, everybody else on money, on society, on everything. And so um, to have you wrap up with that, like really just fits in with, uh, you know, with, with our, our philosophy here. So thank you so much for, for taking the time today and all of the insights. I've got two pages of notes here. So we'll, awesome. uh, we'll, we'll do a debrief here and, and just recap some of our, uh, our top tips. Uh, again, Jody Chafee. Uh, Jody can be found at homeandfamilyculture.com. And uh, she has her own podcast. You can catch her every week on the Family Culture Movement. And uh, you're on Facebook, which is, which is where I found you and how I found you. And, and I'm so grateful that, uh, that somebody was kind enough to, to mention your name yeah. and, and recommend you. So it's been a real pleasure, Jody. Yeah, thank you so much. No, thank you. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank awesome. you, Kate and Tanner. Yeah, thanks so much. We'll, uh, we'll see you we'll on uh, Facebook. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, bye-bye. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of The One Relationship. Be sure to subscribe right now, and we'd love it if you could do us a quick favor too. Please rate and review this podcast. This will help others who want to strengthen their marriage discover our content. To get our free marriage manifesto today, head over to theonerelationship.com. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Just hit the Contact Us button and send us your questions and feedback. Join us next time for more Real Talk on The One Relationship.